coming to you from the lab, where we talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Riding Shotgun is my co-host, Big Keith. I'm your host, Mike, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's everybody doing? Welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I hang out with Kurt Sills from Blue Alpha Gear, review the MicroStream flashlight and sentry strap, and talk about gun guys that are just too serious. I just want to remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. There'll be a link in the show notes. If you like the content we're creating, we'd appreciate it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review as well as a comment. We'll read any comments you leave in future episodes, and we love hearing from our listeners. And without further ado, as always, by my side, the big man, Big Keith. Keith, how are we doing tonight? Doing well, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Last time we yeah. talked, the uh, the Mustang was rolling along, and uh, then I think you hit a snag. We uh, we getting this thing done soon? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're I mean, time wise, we're only like a few hours of work away, but uh, it depends on some of the hurdles that we're having. But we're on the last part, just to keep it short. The last part, we're on, we're on the fuel system, and uh, we're just having a hard time getting getting the uh, original lines back out and rerouting it because we have to get a bigger uh bigger feed line than what was there from the factory so uh but uh i'm excited i'm just i i, I can i'm sure people are hearing in my voice i am a little depressed it was supposed to be running by now i'm I, you know i'm a very positive person you know me that mike and this got me a little depressed so i, I i'm trying to get back excited about it when i hear it run i'll be real excited all right well we'll, we'll try and boost your spirits tonight actually you uh, know what i do have a question because i have not asked you this question in some time yeah. Uh, are you drinking a Manmosa right now? I I am I am not drinking a Manmosa actually, but it it is a vodka drink. But I'm just having a little uh, little flavored seltzer. Okay, all right. I you know I always I'm like I'm not going to ask him anymore because he's always drinking the same thing. But I'm like maybe maybe he switched it up. So I, well, I am my... close. I I do kind of like uh, I I do like to switch up in in the winter time, and uh, I'll go to like the darker alcohol. And okay, all right, all right. Yeah, I got my uh, my vodka crayon, so I'm girling up as usual girling it up as usual buddy <laughs> so anyway you and i are big fans of uh of cool products right i mean we definitely have done some product review and we've uh, had some companies send us some cool products but um so i'm really excited because we're gonna do some cool reviews tonight but we also have a guest on tonight that uh makes some cool products so without further ado our guest tonight is the owner of a company that makes high quality products catering to the outdoor and shooting community they take pride in offering a great value for their products and great service to their customers. Please welcome Kurt Sills from Blue Alpha Gear. Hey, Kurt, how you doing? I am good. How are you guys? Doing great. Doing great. I'm, I'm really happy to have you on the show, and uh, glad you agreed to come on. And I, I'm a big fan of your of your products. Um, Mike is not only a, 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 what, it, what uh, well, I guess you're the president, Kurt. So I guess <laughs> I can't give him that title, but uh, he, he is definitely a customer. He he could be the president of our fan club. Oh, okay, wow. that's good. <laughs> sounds like a lot. Sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, it is probably. It'll be perfect for your wobble scout. You remember, right? Wasn't that how far did you get the weeble wobbles? What the weeble wobbles? What are you how, talking about? How, how far to Boy Scouts did you get when we were talking? <laughs> Weeblos. Weeblos. You could uh, you could be the president of his of the fan club as a weeblo. Oh my god. You're still gonna break my chops about the weeblos. I love that you call it weeble wobbles. 
I, that was the best thing I could think of. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasn't a Boy Scout. All right, all right. Well, enough about me being a Weeblow. So, <laughs> Kurt, uh, how did you get into the world of firearms to begin with? Like, How did shooting become a thing for you? So, um, I grew up, um, and I'll try to not bore you with the world's longest story, but uh, I grew up in a house that was far from anti-gun, but there were not like guns were not really a thing. I never, I didn't grow up shooting. Um, but I did grow up loving military history and, uh, I loved playing video games with guns. So I got, uh, you know, I got old enough and I got a, I got a pretty good job. I got a job working for Delta airlines, uh, here in Atlanta. And, um, it was like the first time in my life where I was like, Hey, I have, I, I'm a, I'm a grown, grown person with money I can spend. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like it just dawned on me one day where I'm like, I can buy guns. Yeah. And, <laughs> it, this is a funny story. Yeah. And then it was it was kind of like became an obsession after that where it was like I, I started looking and I'm like, oh, man, like you can have like all the stuff from the video games you yeah. can own. And I, yeah, growing it, up, I I talked a little bit about this. My growing up like I had I, I grew up around guns, but my parents were not necessarily gun people. You know, and I, it's similar to what Kurt is describing for me. I got to an age where I had disposable income and I was like, I want to buy some guns. (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing how that happens. Like, so real quick story this past weekend, I took out a, a, a new shooter. His wife works with me. She's not exactly pro gun, but she agreed to let him buy a shotgun. And she said, I'll only let him buy a shotgun. If you take him to the range and kind of teach him how to handle it and be safe. So I said, okay. We were not literally, we were not even, we were meeting uh, our wives afterwards at a winery. We were not even done shooting for 10 minutes and we're in the car and he goes, so how do we build an AR? (laughs) (laughs) And literally, literally he goes, how do I do that? I was like, you have to buy a, uh, you know, a lower receiver. He goes, take me to a store right now. I want to buy one. And I literally took him to a store and he literally bought an AR. Oh my God. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Back so in the good crazy. old days, when you could we could find AR uh, receivers real easily. Well, he found one. He just found one like two days ago. It was amazing. Oh, nice. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Kurt, I'm sorry. Back to your show. You, you had some disposable income. You wanted to buy some cool guns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I ended up wasting most of my disposable income on guns, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> as Great. any as any sane adult male would do. And um, you know, um, so me and the guys at work, we worked kind of like a late evening shift, kind of almost an overnight, but not quite. Uh, there was some, a good amount of downtime, uh, doing what we were doing. And, uh, I'd eat my lunches and watch YouTube videos, you know, from the various gun channels. And, um, I eventually ordered a belt cause I'm like, all right, I'm going to start concealed carrying. So I ordered a belt and, um, uh, at this point, my business partner, Jesse and I had kind of like started dabbling in like selling stuff on Amazon, but it was more like a, you know, like a hobby thing where we were like, yeah, you know, this might be something to keep us busy in our free time at work. Um, where, you know, let's try to sell some things on the internets. And, uh, I ended up buying a belt, uh, and I was just complaining to him about like the process and how much I paid for it. And I kind of felt like I got ripped off um, <laughs> the, the company I bought it from. And, the, you know, this is a major U.S. made manufacturer um, that, you know, would have been considered 
one of the top tier brands. Like a DeSantis and, or like some, I'm not, you don't have to tell me, but something like that, like a big name. Company. Yeah. Yeah. One of the bigger nylon belt companies. Yeah. Okay. And, um, you know, they charged $13 for shipping and there was the only choice was you had to pay $13 for shipping. It was USPS priority. And then I got the box and it was this way oversized box with like 90% air in it. They didn't even put the ba- the belt in a bag. And so there's just this loose belt rattling around in this big expensive box that I had no choice but to pay that shipping. And so I was just, you know, complaining to him about it. And uh, we could, the light bulb kind of went off in our head where it was like, you know, cause we, we, the stuff we were selling was kind of gun industry adjacent stuff. Cause that's where I was. I I'm the passionate gun guy. He's like the, the, the serial entrepreneur who's like constantly thinking of businesses to start. And, and you both so, were, you, you both were airline mechanics together. At and Delta. we both were airline mechanics together at Delta. And so we kind of combined our powers and what, um, uh, what kind of aircraft did you guys work on? So we, we worked in an, in an engine shop. So, um, they would disassemble aircraft engines and then all of the individual parts would get into, would get special repairs done to all the parts. And then we worked in one of those shops that did specialty repairs to, to parts. So parts would like come a, in, you do a like, thing to the part and then the part would go out. Yeah. So, so like an assembly line kind of thing. Uh, sort of, I mean, it, it just more like, like parts would just randomly show up and you're like, Oh, that's one of my parts. And then like, you were the guy that like knows how to do that one. And then you'd go do that one. And then you'd have to wait for the next one to show up. So because, because those engine parts are so expensive, Mm -hmm. they're okay. Having people like waiting for them because they have to be moving through as fast as possible because aircraft downtime is like really expensive for an airline. So, I've not really ever talked to a, a major airline mechanic like this. I, I have a yeah. little bit of experience. I, I was working on my pilot's license a few years ago. I okay. had kids, had kids. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, um, but I didn't. I guess I didn't realize that they take they take these engines apart, and it's not like one guy that works on the whole engine. Like you all have oh, your no. own specialty. Yeah, no, like, um, so Delta Tech Ops, um, there's like 5,000 mechanics that work there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, yeah, there were. Um, And then uh, there's, everything's like super specialized. So the idea is to make engines come in and go through and they do a bunch of contract work. So there's other airlines engines and uh, cargo companies engines and foreign militaries send their engines there. So, but that's not cool. Yeah. (laughs) We don't do any work for China or Russia, do we? Uh, no, just the just the, the nice ones. The nice ones, okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you but still the, do you, the U.S. Do you Navy sent stuff there too? Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah. Do you still work on any planes? Nope. Uh, Jesse and I quit um, in January of 2019, so we're coming up on two years of no 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 day job. Kerr, let me ask you a question really sure. quick. Because you were talking about your how you bought the belt and it wasn't good and good experience. Yeah. And clearly that obviously took you down the road of, hey, I can, right. I can do this better, right? So the light bulb went off in our head of like, can we make belts? And, you know, like we just probably like stared at things for a few minutes while we thought about that. And um, we actually ended up looking into it more and we were like, okay, so we read all the reviews from all the major companies. And so we were reading all the reviews that customers left places and watched YouTube videos. And you'd see a lot of issues with sizing, um, the cost of the belt itself, 
And then one of the biggest ones was customer service, where people were like, they don't even respond to emails, or I tried to email them here and they didn't respond, or uh, this happened. And you know, did did you say to yourself? Us. Did you say to yourself? I mean, I can be nice. That's like an easy like. I mean, I mean, like, how, well, is, yeah. how are people? How are people not good at customer service? You know what I mean? Right. Like, so so you know, like this is stuff that to a lot of people is obvious, but you know, certain businesses they can they they are successful in spite of their half-assery. Um, they, they, they kind of fail their way to the top because the competition's not very good and they end up getting lazy. And so they're like, ah, you know, we're not getting all the emails, but whatever. I, I, I don't even understand it. Like, obviously, you, a customer emails you, you respond to them. Like, that, that makes sense. That's, that's, what, that's your job. And if there's too many customers emailing you, maybe you're doing something wrong. So <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta fix it somewhere else. I think the, com- I think what happens is these companies, they just get so large that everything gets so scalable and they lose track of that 10% that's complaining or, or, well, and, and, and maybe, and maybe it's just, I don't you know, the person look at them is, is it eventually just be, it's, ah, that's someone else's job. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, yeah. That's Where a the, better way to say it. That's the, way the, to say it. the ownership, um, yeah. You know, even as an employee, you want your employees to feel some ownership over the reputation yeah. of the brand. Well, would a, would a fair analogy be this? So when I go to buy, um, I don't know, a major appliance, I go to Lowe's. Mm-hmm. You go to Lowe's and like, good luck finding someone that even works in that department. You know what I mean? Right. First of Let all. Let alone knows about the product because I just exactly. had to do this this weekend. Yeah. But if I need some really weird, obscure, strange bolt that is hard to find and I go to my local hardware store... The guy's like, oh, yeah, that's in this aisle. Let me walk you there. Let me get it for you. Let me put it in a bag for you and let me ring you out. Like just – but they can do that because it's smaller. There's less employees. There's, you know, more quality control over who they're hiring. So it's – I think it's sort of along those lines where you guys, you know, at at the the size that you're at, Mm -hmm. your focus is on the customer. Yeah, and and, and some some companies can go corporate and still have a small town or small business feel. Some companies can't. Um, Yeah. Well, our, our our goal, I mean, I would never say that we're going corporate. We intend to be consi- consider ourselves a family business for uh, for forever. Um, but we're, there's no doubt we're, you know, a significantly larger company than we ever expected to be. But the plan is to to have it be, you know, to ha- to care for people the same way, no matter the size of our business. Yeah. So I have to ask you, where did the name Blue Alpha Gear come from? So. Uh, it's so blue alpha is just like it's kind of a and i wish i had a really interesting story it's just <laughs> well you uh, should make one up yeah i know i should <laughs> it, it's a it's a combination of two words that are specific enough yet non-specific where we could kind of we didn't know what we were going to end up being so we came up with something kind of generic but we wanted it to have kind of an aviation feel so okay. that even just for us, there was kind of an aviation feel to it. So that's why we have a logo with wings in it. And the yep. Blue Alpha has kind of an aviation sound to it. And that was more just like a hat tip to us and our our origin story. Um, that's cool. That's actually a better but, story than you indicated. I was going to say, you, you got a story right there, Kurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, that, but, you know, that that's that's the story. It's just um, the words that I came up with in my head where I'm like, ah, I like those. You create the product, you create the business, and obviously, you know, I think things are doing going really well for you. So I have a, a question, and this is really for the listeners out there because I know there's people out there 
that just don't get it and I want them to get it. And that is this. Um, why are purpose-built gun purpose-built gun belts so important for everyday carry? And the reason I'm asking that is I have a really nice leather belt upstairs that's like a sturdy, pretty sturdy belt, but mm-hmm. that's not really going to cut it for the most part. Can you explain why these belts are important for people who are maybe just getting into guns or maybe people that just have never thought of this? Sure. And and I'll start off by saying that you know a lot of it is preference, but there is definitely a theme to the idea that a rigid belt is going to uh, make your experience much better in almost every case. Um, so uh, the things um, that a gun belt can do is is provide rigid rigidity in the right directions, but flexibility in the other right directions. So. Our belts, for example, from the top of the belt to the bottom of the belt, if you were to try and pinch that over to like taco the webbing, if, if you will, to kind of like make the top and bottom touch each other, it's extremely difficult to do that. And that's a design of the weave and a design of the way that we sew the two layers together and also the fact that there is a resin impregnated into the webbing itself. So I have um, one of your belts right in my hands and I'm trying to do it. And you're right. It's very hard to do. So yes. So get, when you, you really have, are a customer, <laughs> <laughs> when, when you have a firearm in a holster attached to your belt, you also have to think about the fact that the, the function of that holster is going to be based entirely on the belt. Like it, it, it's, it's attached to your belt and then the belt is attached to your body. So yeah. it is the thing in between your holster and your body. And I am friends with a lot of holster makers and they're as big of believers as a good, in a good belt as anyone else, because they have to deal with the customers who come back and complain about like, Hey, <laughs> this holster you sold me just flops around everywhere. <laughs> and they're like, they, the customer hasn't, you know, fully thought it through of like, well, it's not the holster's fault. It's the belt's fault. Yeah. If you attach, you know, if you take a piece of rope and like attach your holster to it, you're going to have a bad day. And, you know, there's varying levels of, of, of quality and function along that spectrum. But, um, you know, it's, it's such an important piece. It's the foundation of your concealed carry. Well, so, yeah. the, the way you're describing it is exactly the feeling I had when I got my first right. good gun belt. Like, you know, yeah. and, and it's something that, as a big guy, I wear some suspenders too sometimes, Kurt, but... Mm-hmm. You know, even with suspenders, I can wear a belt like yours and it be much more comfortable and, uh, and and feel more confident in carrying my firearm. What I always tell people is like if you take like I, I have your belt in my hand right now, if I make it the size of my waist and I put the two ends together and I hold it out, it stays in a perfect, you know, cylinder barrel shape, whatever you want to call it. And right. it just stays like that. If yeah. I do that with my like leather, like, you know, belt from you know, some department store, it just droops. It just hangs over. So how is it going to hold the weight of a gun if it just can't even hold itself up, so to speak, you know? And the only time I switch, the only time I switch to those kind of belts is if I'm maybe carrying inside the waistband because then you have the, you know, your pants are holding it a little bit, but. Yeah. I mean, inside the waistband, um, you can get away with more. Uh, It's, it's still, you're going to have a better time um, with, with a gun belt. Uh, outside the waistband, it's yeah, you have to have one. Otherwise, your stuff's gonna be flopping all over the place. 
Yeah, I, I primarily carry. I primarily carry in the waistband, and I definitely yeah. prefer prefer a good gun belt over. Yeah, and and so the other the other part of the gun belt is is comfort. And so if you were to take that belt you have in your hands and hold two sides of it and just kind of rotate, you know, rotate um, or t- flip your wrists in opposite directions and try to flex or rotate the belt, it has some rotation in it. It'll give a little bit, and and that's the part of the belt that you don't want all the rigidity in. That's the part that moves with your body. Um, Got it. And for people so, listening, I just did it, and it it is true. It does do yes. that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so if you had just a metal ring, you know, like that wouldn't flex like that. So so we I like to think that our webbing is kind of the Goldilocks. So it's the perfect um, combination of comfort, and it's the perfect combination of, of rigidity combined. Because if you go too far in the rigidity area. Uh, you end up with something that's kind of uncomfortable to wear all day. And obviously you go too far in the other direction and you end up with a belt that doesn't function very well. Now where people fall in that is, is a lot preference, but in general, we seem to have found a good Goldilocks for wet webbing. Um, and our webbing is custom made for us to our specs. Uh, it's made in Alabama and we're, you know, we get, we've toured the factory where our rubbing is made and we told them what we wanted made and they make it for us. So, um, we're really proud of that stuff. It, is it just, uh, is it just belts for, uh, blue alpha or is there any, yeah, I mean, right, right now, um, you know, belts are, um, 90 plus percent of what we do for, so to kind of step back to our, our, um, our initial story. Um, we started making belts in Jesse's garage. It was just one sewing machine and that was in the spring of 2016. Did you know how to sew? How did you like learn that? He, he learned on YouTube. So <laughs> we kind of, yeah, we, oh, <laughs> yeah. He, these he, stories. These are great. Yeah. No, like starting a business now, like especially in the gun industry is you just make it up as you go. And <laughs> it turns out that that's what you realize once you do it, you're like, Oh, that's what everyone did. Um, and some people <laughs> just are best right. You just guessed right. Yeah, some people are better at it than others, and you'll get you'll get you'll get to a point where you're like, oh, a lot of people are bad at this actually, and they're successful. Um, so yeah, we he learned on YouTube. Um, he kind of took care of all of the production stuff. Uh, I helped him with it, and then my job was sales and customer service stuff. So. I did all the networking, all the social media, and in general, our roles are still the same. Obviously, he's not he's not sewing belts uh, every day anymore. <laughs> you um, got him. You got him off the sewing. Yeah, machine. there's yeah, there's way too much other administrative stuff that needs to be done. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so that's we started um, doing that, and um, you know, we ended up just growing from one sewing machine to I don't know who knows how many now. Um, 30 or 40 maybe wow i saw the new uh i saw the new digs you guys set up it's a nice uh setup you got yeah yeah we moved from his garage and four years later uh we're in twelve thousand square foot shop that is kind of custom built to our our needs and um yeah we have almost almost 60 employees how many bills did you build out of his garage um good question uh i'm gonna just ballpark it and say probably a couple thousand would be my Jeez, guess. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, it was. It was a really like I, we we show people like the photos I took of like within the first two weeks of us starting, 
And it was hilarious, like the caveman operation that we had. <laughs> uh, build, build, fire here. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was that way, basically. I was using a pair of purple kitchen scissors. Uh, <laughs> That's to hilarious. Cut, yeah, to cut all the belts. And, and you know, we, it was just learn, learn by doing. And we learned and we improved and we, we, we found ways to innovate. And, um, you know, we started off knowing that, like, you don't have to invent something. And that was actually something Jesse had to kind of get into my head because I was, you know, we're both college dropouts. Um, and I was like of the thinking of like, well, to start a business, you either get your, your family business passed down to you or you go to college or you, (laughs) or you invent something like those are your only three options. And obviously that that's not the case. Um, improving on something is a really good way to do it. Right. Well, yeah, and 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 when we started, all we did to improve, um, and these are things that still exist for us. Uh, we have simple sizing that's easy to understand, and we did our sizing in a way that is customer friendly, not production friendly. So, uh, some companies will sell you like a small, medium, large, extra large belt, and sometimes there's overlap between those sizes, and sometimes there isn't. Like if you're, you know, sometimes I've seen them where you're like a size 36 pant size or, or like a, if you're like a 37, one size goes up to 36 and then the next size starts at 38. And if you're kind of like a 36 to 38, like a 37, you're kind of screwed. Um, some of them overlap a little bit, but we went all the way into just like our sizing is done based on pant size. So if you know what your pant size is, order that. Um, and then Within that, you have wiggle room up one size and down one size. And then we have, you get every single pant size. So every belt overlaps the previous belt and the next belt in sizing. But we want people to be in the sweet spot in the middle. We don't want them to be on the edge of their Velcro um, because, you know, that's not ideal. So let's make belts that are ideal. So speaking of your belts, I actually, I want to actually talk about your product specifically because I have a, like I said, the, the belt I have, I, I had a little stint where I decided I was going to carry appendix and then I just couldn't handle it pointing down there all the time. It really bugged me out. So I kind of gave up on it, but I bought your belt specifically because your low profile EEC belt mm-hmm. has no buckle and it was really nice to not print and show anything. So that was what I purchased. However, you have other belts, and I do want to ask you some questions about those belts, if you don't mind. Sure, go ahead. So the first one, first question I have is uh, about your uh, the belts that you have with the Cobra buckles. Yeah. So those buckles look cool as hell, and I, I I really want to get one at some point, but um, I don't know what the purpose of the Cobra buckles is. Like, is it just like a kind of a tactical looks cool? People just like the way it looks, or is there functionality to it? Could you kind of expand upon what sure. the Cobra buckle does for us? Yeah. And, um, the answer is yes, it's both of those things. Um, so, so we, we, uh, we discontinued this year, we discontinued our traditional Cobra EDC belt where it's two match set of Cobra buckles. Um, that's what we initially started making. That's how we built our business. But once we came out with the hybrid configuration of Cobra buckles, which was actually, uh, in late in 2016, um, that really took over as by far and away the best seller. I was telling Keith, what you guys did was innovate where you did not have to take the buckle off, right? You were the first ones to make it where it could actually weave through the belt loops. Yeah, we talked to Austria Alpen, who makes the Cobra buckle, and we were we were like, can you 
make us this because you know ma- mismatched sizes of cobra buckles the male and female parts still click together um they just change the sizing of the the webbing that can be put through the slots so uh we came up with a way to basically sew a smaller one inch sized um cobra buckle and we use the the female buckle for us and we sew that on to the one and a half inch webbing and it basically means that the whole side of the belt can fit through your belt loops which so, is what, a humongous humongous yeah. humongous yeah so we actually we did that through kickstarter we talked to Osher alp and they're like uh yeah i mean you you can order those but like they're special order and you need to order ten thousand dollars worth and we you know we at that point we had just bought our second sewing machine and we were still <laughs> in still in jesse's garage and we were just like oh no we can't afford that so we ended up doing a kickstarter for it and our goal was to raise ten thousand dollars just so we could order the buckles but we ended up raising the ten thousand dollars in the first 24 hours wow that's yeah. crazy and then we ended we raised fifty two thousand dollars over the course of that um that 30-day campaign and then those stats are cool but the thing i'm most proud of is we actually fulfilled all of those orders on time oh wow yeah that's cool that's great do you have like the exclusivity rights to that size buckle? Nope. Uh, we probably should have um, tried to trademark the name, but uh, we didn't. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's been some people who have just basically just taken the name. There's some, even some companies who just took the sizing chart and just put their logo over top of our oh, logo. That oh, that sucks. Very creative of them. Uh, yeah. That's okay. They're you know we're not threatened by stuff like that because we have uh, a super solid customer base that right. is very loyal. Um, so, so Kerr, what is the, you never finished the thing, but what is yeah. the purpose of the belt? Is there okay. a purpose? So, so, so um, we discontinued the standard Cobra and now we're our only Cobra belt we sell is the hybrid EDC belt, which uses the mismatched set of Cobra buckles. And so the one thing that that has is uh, you can disconnect that buckle without having to mess with your Velcro. So you can set your the sizing on your Velcro, and if your body doesn't fluctuate a ton throughout the day or weeks, you kind of just never mess with the Velcro again, unless there's some sort of a change. Um, and you just disconnect and connect the buckle when you need to take the belt on or go to the bathroom or all that stuff. So there's some convenience there. A lot of it is just that it's a really cool buckle, though. There's no doubt that that's part of it. Oh, it looks cool. There's no, yeah. It definitely does. And, and the rest of the belts, the actual webbing, the Velcro, everything except for the buckles is exactly the same between the two belts. Um, so the only difference is the buckle, and it's purely preference. So for people who want the smallest buckle possible, they go for the low profile. For people who want the most affordable of our belts, they go for the low profile. But for people who want an actual more traditional buckle, they go for the hybrid. And for the people who just really think Cobra buckles are cool, which is a very legitimate thing. They indeed are cool. Uh, they go sure. for the hybrid as well. So that's kind of the 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 this, the idea between both of those. Now the other the other product that I'm actually on your website right now. So you guys, your website, you have um, like an EDC category, and then you have what you call uh, duty and range belts. Mm-hmm. And your duty and range belts are really cool. So there's for anyone out there listening. Obviously, you can go to bluealphabelts.com, uh, but uh, you have an inner belt that basically weaves through the loops and it's all Velcro loop on the outside. And then you have a bigger belt that goes onto that, that hooks onto it. So you're basically just hooking the bigger, heavier duty belt onto the 
uh, loop inner belt, which is a really cool idea. Um, what do, and I'm saying this, I, I kind of know the answer to it, but I just want to hear from someone that's in the industry. This would obviously be good for someone in law enforcement, but the other use this might be for is someone who goes to the range and they want to have the belt all set up mm-hmm. with their holster, their, their magazine holders and whatever else, uh, maybe an IFAC and just throw it on real quick. Is that correct? Like the, this could be used for civilian use either for competitors or for people that just want to have a setup to just go to the range with. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so we have um, basically two different types and we have the 1.75 inch belts and then we have the two inch belts. Uh, law enforcement is typically built around a two inch system with the exception of slot teams and SRT teams and like the high speed guys. The high speed guys run off the 1.75 system. And that is also what the military runs off of. Most of the military guys, they get the 1.75 system. So the two inch stuff is almost entirely for more traditional patrol type duty use. Um, and you know, it's by far the smaller section of sales for us. Uh, the 1.75 is, yeah, that's like the SWAT teams, the high speed guys and, um, military. So do you find civilians buy, buy your stuff, buy that stuff? Well over 50%, maybe over 75%, I think are civilians. Wow. Wow. Cause like I, I kind of want one cause they're cool, but like, I don't know if I would actually use it, but I still want one cause they're cool. You know, <laughs> you know what? Why I, we have disposable income and buy guns. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No. Um, and you're not wrong to feel that way. Uh, <laughs> Whew, thank God. <laughs> so you got the I, validation you needed, Mike. Yeah. Exactly. You, you, uh, you know, I don't know, like a lot of these guys are just, they're, they're military guys using their own personal funds in some cases. But I mean, we do get lots of military orders from, you know, actual units and, you know, through all the branches and from guys who, you know, they make movies about, we get orders from those guys too. That's and, really cool. That's, you know, to think. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I get random pictures from places around the world with blurred faces and guys showing yeah. off their belts. So that's pretty that's cool. Awesome. Well, yeah. I do, I do want to also say for uh, us big guys out there, you do big guy sizes too. So thank yeah, you. yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, no, we uh we have um we have a sizing range, and then there's an option in the drop down box that's in basically any other size, whether that's below our sizing range. I'm, or I'm in that it. option. I'm in that yeah, option. Yeah, <laughs> and uh and yeah, and we don't charge extra for it, so we we say there's no fat tax. So, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna start calling it that. Yeah. So yeah, so it's there's no extra charge for getting a custom size. I feel like that's rare. I feel like a lot of places, even Very normal rare. clothing, you you pay yeah. more for a bigger size. I, I, if right. I go to buy like a company, like I'm big on, uh, like I watch a lot of YouTube, so I do a lot of YouTube swag. And uh, if I go to a YouTuber's site and merchandise, there's always a few extra bucks for, you know, 3X, 4X, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt we're using more material and our costs are higher, but we just prefer the simplicity of charging the same for everyone. Nice. So one of the things on your website that I'm really impressed with, I want to just say a couple of things. First off, you guys ship anywhere in the US free shipping, which I think is so cool mm-hmm. because it's like, I just like that like simplicity, kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Of, you yep. buy the belt, this is the cost, and then that's it. You don't have to like figure out anything else. So that's yeah. cool. Second, uh, everything is made and it sounds like even your um, uh, the plants that you get your, your equipment from, you said Alabama, that everything yeah. is made in the US. So Keith and I have been on this kick as much as we possibly can. So thank you for building in America. We think that's phenomenal. Sure. 
Yeah, no, all the belts are, um, they're sewn, uh, about, you know, 30 feet from my office and cool. I, I get to say hi to all the, the employees and we, we spend a lot of time with them and yeah, it's nice to see that stuff being made right out my door. And then can you tell us your warranties are a little different, but you have a warranty program and you also have a belt sizing program, which I think is super cool. I wanted you to tell people about that. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, what, so going back to some of the things that we saw as opportunities for us, uh, sizing was one of them. Uh, free shipping was another one. I, I, and that's, I'm the type of guy who was just like free shipping. Great. Cause now like, I don't have to feel like I have to wait to like put orders together to save on shipping or overthink anything. It's just like, you know, if you want to order a belt today and next week you want to order a shirt, great. You can do that. And you don't have to, it's not going to cost you any extra for that. Um, and then obviously sizing, having a simple sizing, uh, having the sizing on the belts themselves be simple. But then if it doesn't work out, we have uh, completely free sizing exchanges for the first 30 days. So one of the concerns you might have as a belt purchaser is I don't like buying things online that I don't get to try on because what if it doesn't fit me? And there are a lot of companies still, and there were even more back when we started the business where if your belt didn't fit, you would just have to sell it to somebody else because they wouldn't take it back. Um, so we came up with a completely free sizing exchange program where basically you go to our website, you fill out a form and we actually send you a second belt in the mail with a pre-labeled return mailer in the package. So you can do the exchange at your mailbox. You take the new belt out and you put the old belt into the pre-labeled return mailer and put it in the mailbox, put the flag up and you're done. Look at the honor system on you. That's it awesome. Is, it is. It's totally the honor system. And you know what? Um, our customers are pretty honorable because we don't really have problems. I was just going to say, you probably haven't been burnt too many times. No, sometimes we, uh, we, we have to, um, we send an email some after a certain period of time. And most people are just like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I forgot. And uh, I'm so excited about the right size. Yeah, it's rare that people like totally ghost us. Um, See, Keith is saying you probably never get burned, and I'm here thinking, man, I found a way to get a second belt. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it, it's true. If you're a uh, if you're a, a, a terrible person and you want to steal yeah. a belt from us, you totally could. But I thank I you believe, for prefacing that, Kurt. Yeah, I, uh, we don't encourage terrible people yeah. around here, Mike. I was yeah, joking. Yeah. I was joking. Yeah. In, in general, it's like you know we we put the trust in the customer, and it's paid off. Uh, yeah. and if, you know, we do good things to, to other people, they'll, they'll take good care of us back. And it's, you know, some, some form of karma, I guess. So, uh, you know, if someone steals the belt from us, they'll probably step in dog crap or something. And I, I hope they do. I wanted to recognize something else that, uh, was some good karma that you were doing. I had read when we, when we, when Mike told me that we were you know going to uh, talk with you, I had done a little bit of uh, research of in the old Googling, and I noticed that you guys had recently, you know, partnered with someone to make uh, non-medical grade masks during uh, the pandemic. Um, yep. Tell me a little bit about that switch because, you know, was it easy? I, I grew up a little bit around a manufacturing plant and I, I really know what it takes to get set up as you were even describing, like efficiently and effectively and optimizing your profit margins, right? So it, it takes a long time to get all that stuff set out. And then you want to do this and just change things up and make non-medical grade masks. Was that a big deal? Uh, it it kind of was. So, you know, this all happened in mid-March, like right after the pandemic became official. Um, 
we, uh, you know, we basically got requests from local law enforcement, local fire department. Uh, we have a cancer treatment center here uh, in our town and they came to us and, you know, they were like, where we heard that there was, there was a need locally. And so when you have a bunch of sewing machines and you have a local need from people that, you know, you want to care for, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta figure it out. So we, like that day, Jesse and I went to Joanne's fabrics and bought like all kinds of different colors of, of cotton. And basically we tried to fill in the gap. So we made masks for like less than a month. Uh, and, and in about a month, the actual, mask making industry started catching up and but you did uh, your part though but you did your yeah, part so, that's cool so we ended up we ended up making i think over seven thousand masks and we hand delivered most of them locally and some of them we shipped to other hospitals and stuff but they were they were made for first responders and medical professionals who were back when there was like literally nothing they had nothing to use so um it was it was a la- uh, their last dish, last ditch effort at uh, having masks. Well, I recognize that it must have been a little bit of work to switch things up production wise. Yeah. And no, we uh, had to go buy specific. Yeah, we had to go buy specific sewing machines and you know go to Joanne's Fabrics and figure out how to make them. And we were we were twisting wires and doing all kinds of crazy stuff trying to make things work. And we ended up just over three weeks. We had like seven generations of masks where we were figuring out better more efficient ways to make a better mask. And um, it, I was glad to be done with it because it meant that better, <laughs> that better masks were getting into the hands of people that needed them. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, cause it was, it, we were happy to help. Um, but yeah, we were not a, we, well, we, listen, like, like I, I think I read a quote that you had said, you know, bandanas, the CDC says is fine. And this is going to serve just as good of a purpose as that. And honestly, at that point in time, that's what everybody needed. That's what we were all were doing. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, we had actually like when you have people hit, hitting you up on Instagram or Facebook and just being like, I, like they were like, I, I'll take it, you know, whatever it is, I'll take it. We have nothing. Yeah, you know, that was we felt the responsibility to give them at least something. So I just want to recap a couple things. Um, you know, your company is, uh, you know, made America. I mean, obviously your customer service is killer. Um, and I, I, you know, I am a customer, you know, I, I bought, bought your product way before this was ever going to become a, a, even a podcast. It was even a reality for me. And, you know, I, I think the product is really, really good. I think you're from everything you're telling me. Like, I just love the what you guys are about. I've rec- recommended uh, this belt to people, and I was there when they purchased it. You know, so I, Thank I you. feel really good about um, having you on the show, and I feel really good about kind of. I hope people that are out there are listening. I hope you realize like these are the kind of companies that Keith and I have been talking about. These are the kind of companies, and, and we know you're going to buy stuff made in China. We know it's hard in this day and age, but when you can. These are the kind of companies that we need to support. And, you know, Kurt, that's awesome. But um, I just want to give you a chance right now to kind of plug and tell people where they can find you online on social media and just give us those outlets. So um, our website is bluealphabelts.com. Um, and on social media, I think I'm at, at Blue Alpha on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I, I've um, not done too much with social media this year because it's been kind of a crazy year for us. Uh but yeah, um, bluealphabelts.com is is the best place to buy. Cool. And we're, we'll uh, have links to all of your places in the bottom of our show notes. So anybody looking for them, I'm telling you, go out, support the company, buy their products. You will not be disappointed. But all those links are down at the bottom of our show notes. So go and check them out. 
Um, and now, one of my favorite parts of the show, Kurt, we have a little game we like to play on this show called Run and Gun, and we were hoping you'd play with us tonight. Sure, of course. All right, so Run and Gun is I'm going to give you 10 rapid-fire questions. I want you to give me the quickest first response that comes to your mind. Okay. All right, so here we go. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? I have an M1 carbine that was made during World War II in my hometown of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Very cool. What gun would you buy if money was no object? Oh, man. Is is ammo part of the no object? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it might be one of those uh, those, those M, uh, 134 miniguns. Ah, cool. Okay. Yeah. I get to attach it to a helicopter too, right? Because money is no object. Sure. You get yeah. the whole rig, Kurt. Yeah. Minigun in a helicopter. No ammo problems. Yes. Definitively, that's the one. Uh, nice. <laughs> if you could have a drink <laughs> with one, one person. Best one so far. Yeah. yeah. Most expensive, that's for sure. For yeah. sure. If you could have a drink with one person living or dead, who would it be? Maybe Mike Rowe. I think he'd be really fun. Cool. Okay. Favorite caliber? I mean, it's kind of a boring choice, but nine millimeter. Nah, it's, it's a great choice. I no, love nine. That's mil. okay. Yeah, we, it, uh, we've said twenty-two. <laughs> yeah, I, you're not wrong though. Honestly, that that might be an even better answer than a nine millimeter because that is maybe the most fun thing I have is twenty-twos. Definitely. Favorite hobby, not gun related. That's, okay, I have a one wheel. Uh, oh, cool! Like the little the one wheel electric skateboards. Yeah, I love that thing. I rode it to go have. Uh, I rode it to have meet some people for lunch today. Go to a, I rode to a Mexican restaurant. Uh, the the parking enforcement lady in our town yelled at me for riding on the sidewalk. It was a great time. Awesome. <laughs> if you if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flight. All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Ooh, trained. Is it better to be loved or feared? Loved. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Rifle. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse or significant other? Oh, man. I'm good friends with John Lovell from Warrior Poet Society. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, he's pretty well-rounded. We were with the Warrior Poet Society guys today. Everyone except John because he's traveling. But those those are the guys I met for lunch today. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, you, uh, you did a great job and, uh, you survived. So nice job. And you have the record for the most expensive, uh, firearm to buy. You know what? You said money is no object. You should get the record every single time. You're the first one to take (laughs) advantage of it. I know. Right. It's time for top gear. Let us test it before you invest it. All right, so tonight on Top Gear, we are going to review two products. Uh, I'm going to review one, and then Kurt's going to review one. Um, Keith, you're bound out tonight, correct? Yes, I am. All right. All right, so my product tonight uh, is actually a flashlight, and this came about, I don't know how many episodes ago, Keith, uh, but we had on uh, a guest who suggested that one of the things you should carry on you at all times is a flashlight, and he was a pretty capable individual. I think we would both agree, right? I think I would agree with that. Okay. We said that was Rick for those that listen to the show. That was Rick who we could not disclose what he really did. He was just an <laughs> investigator. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, his point was that it works as a, obviously a flashlight for the things you need a flashlight, but that it also works as a great defensive tool, yeah. blinding people, 
giving you time, buying you time. And I said, you know what? I, I agree with him. I think it's a great thing to have on you. And I said, I will never carry one unless it is the smallest thing possible. Because if it's big, I'm just not going to carry it. So I went out and I, I searched and I was looking for my price range and I, it wasn't much. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> I like buying a lot of gear. So I wanted to buy something that I could uh, could afford. And also, I lose these kinds of things and break these I get it. You're things. into the quantity, not the uh, quality. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I do. I tend to break these things. So anyway, I settled on uh, the Streamlight MicroStream. And they also make a macro stream, but it was bigger. And again, I wanted minimalist. So this thing is phenomenal. Um, let me start by saying uh, it's rechargeable. So it has a USB rechargeable feature. It comes with the charging cable. It's not super bright. So in daylight, which I don't know why you'd want one in daylight, I guess to blind someone, but I, I read up on this. It's 250 lumens. At nighttime, it's plenty, plenty bright enough. Um, it definitely would work defensively if you had to <clears throat> stun, stun someone in the eyes. Uh it's very simplistic. So it, it has a tail cap switch and it works really well. I have it in my hand right now. Um, I'm playing with it, but it only has two functions. It's got momentary. You part, partially push down, it turns on briefly, or you push it all the way and it clicks on. There's no strobe. There's no, I think there actually is a way to make like a high and a low, but I never use that. And I didn't want all that other stuff. I just want to be able to pull it out, hit a button, it turns on. And that's what I got. Um, has a removable clip that's fairly sturdy. It'll keep it in your pocket. You know, you can reverse it and put it on like a hat brim if you need to use it hand, you know, without hands. Here's the best part or best two parts. Um, first it's only 3.87 inches. And the reason why I like this is because if my thumb is on the tail cap, basically the lens is just, just sticking out of my hand. It's basically the width of my fist. And the reason I like that is if I feel I'm in a sketchy situation, I could carry this thing in my hand and you don't even know that it's in my hand. You can't, you literally cannot see it. So you, you could really discreetly kind of have this thing in your hand. Um, it weighs 1.2 ounces. So it's super light. I put it in my back pocket. You don't even know it's there. And back to my original statement, one of the best things is it's $30. So for $30, you get all that, um, I think it's an awesome product. I want to say I should have looked this up, and I don't know. I want to say I might have a lifetime warranty on it too, but I don't know that for a fact. Um, I need to look into that. Don't be spreading rumors. <laughs> I, I shouldn't be, but I, I feel like that might have been the case. Um, we have a responsibility here, Mike. Yeah, well, maybe when Kurt's doing his product, maybe I'll look that up real quick. But anyway, there is a link to it in the show notes. Um, I'm not affiliated with anybody. It's not like I'm getting anything, but for people out there that are looking for this product, I really like it a lot and uh, click on the link and go buy one. And uh, that's my product. So, uh, Kurt, what about you? What do you got for us? So um, <clears throat> I, let's see, probably a few months. It's been a few months now. Uh, I got a, um, a Sentry strap from Neomag. So the Sentry strap may be difficult to describe in audio form, but I'm going to do my best. All right. Um, and I'm going to hold my rifle in my sentry step. So imagine me, imagine me holding a rifle. Um, and if it helps, there's some, uh, some rifle racking audio to help set the mood. Um, <laughs> so, um, the sentry strap is a sling retainment device. Uh, it's designed for rifles. Um, most commonly, obviously an AR 15. So if you imagine a two point sling, along the length of a AR-15, uh, it kind of 
you know, flopping around or being loose. Uh, it's nice to find a way to keep the sling up tight against the body of the rifle. And the reasons why you might want to do this is for convenient storage. And that's the, one of the main uses I, I use it for. Um, so if you're law enforcement or you have your rifle in a vehicle and you don't want to have a sling flopping around, uh, I have a concealment um, <clears throat> mirror that I, I keep it behind and it's thin. So it's nice to have the, sl the sling up against the body of the rifle. Um, and you know, there's a million other reasons you're, you're walking through something and you know, your sling might get caught on every doorknob or whatever while you're, while you're walking with your sling flopping around. So it's handy to have a sling retainment device. And the way this thing works is, uh, this is the difficult part. So there is, uh, basically imagine a, a strap that goes around the handguard of your rifle almost like um it, it's 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 elastic and nylon so it's almost like a watch band but coming off of that watch band is another elastic strap and that other elastic strap has a magnet in it and the strap that goes around the handguard itself um also has a magnet in it so you use you velcro the strap onto your handguard and then you tuck your sling up against your rifle and then you take the loose strap draw it over top of the sling and then attach it to the other magnet and then now your sling is tucked up tight against the body of the uh, rifle that's but cool. what's cool about this because it's magnetic if you pull on the sling the magnet releases so it's extremely fast to deploy your sling you can just pull on it from any point of the sling and it immediately releases the um, the sling and the magnet kind of just flips back and out of the way. And huh. so it's, it's pretty smart. It's a pretty smart little device. And so it's really handy for clean, neat storage of rifles and, you know, just being able to keep a sling on without any of the downsides of having your sling all over the place. Now, could you, uh, just a question, like, is there any chance it would like get bumped on something and like the, the sling might come out when you don't want it to, or is that magnet pretty secure? The magnet, the magnet's really strong. Um, okay. I, I would say obviously that's possible, but I would describe it as unlikely. Okay. And it's as good. Um, I mean, anything that is going to be rapidly deployed, there's obviously an opportunity for un, unrequested deployment. Sure. But, uh, if if an aircraft mechanic is saying it's unlikely, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. No. I, I feel totally comfortable. Um, when these two magnets are together that we're, I'm good to go. Sure. What is the price on it? Kurt? Uh, I think they're 35. Okay. So they're not, you know, they're not, um, the cheapest thing. So some people, for example, will use a rubber band or some sort of a strap, uh, some other type of rubber strap. Uh, I think some people will use like surgical tube, but you lose all cool factor by doing that. Yeah. And those things work, but they're not like the, super intuitive all-in-one solution like this right. is so if you're into um you know pimping out your rifle or if you just use it enough where you think that this is a worthy purchase in my case the convenience of storage is um justifiable enough for me to have a quick access to this uh without my sling causing problems for me so nice i i'm i'm I know that for a lot of people, 35 bucks for that is a lot. 
um, and that's fine. Uh, I think it's actually um, worth the money for me. Cool. And I do want to just go back really quick, Keith. It does have a lifetime warranty. Excellent. Well, I think it's time for the boys to sit around and shoot the shit. All right. So today on Shooting the Shit, we are going to talk about gun guys that are just too serious. And can't take a joke. Can't take a joke. And I, I, I'm kind of like this is kind of tongue in cheek and kind of funny. And Keith, you and I each have a story. And Kurt, I'm sure you have uh, stories, too. Yeah, we've 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 been together for a few instances. I, I there is a serious note to this. So I'm going to save that for the end. But um, so Keith, you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there have been times when, and on the show for sure, we we've talked about the importance of trying to be appreciative uh, people who want to help anyone new 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 gun owners get in into uh, into owning a gun and into your rights on the Second Amendment and. There have been times where we've observed, or I've certainly observed, where people have. Um, we've had uh, someone at our gun club who we've, uh, you know, been trying to shoot, and there have been individuals there that are like lurking for better, for lack of a better. That uh, describes term. it perfectly, lurking, and and lurking at the way that you're teaching someone to be. You know, I, I certainly am not questioning the way that we teach people to be safe gun owners. You know what I mean, or, or respect the, the firearm. And it's it's almost like if you're not doing it their way, you're not doing it the right way. Right, and also not trusting that you're they don't they don't trust that you're going to keep it, that. It person definitely feels that way. Yeah. Safe, right? Yeah. yeah, it definitely feels that they don't trust. Yeah, yeah. so, so I mean, that was an unfortunate one, and it felt kind of crappy to have someone lurking over us, you know. But you described it well. We were we were going over nomenclature and the four safety rules, and the guy was yeah. We weren't even us. shooting. We weren't no. Even the shooting. guy was literally watching us, like staring at us with his hands on his hips, watching us brief someone on gun handling and it's like you know it was kind of unnerving a little almost bit. like looking for us to forget to say something like i'm gonna get you yeah <laughs> so i have one that i think is actually kind of funny um so i posted something on uh facebook or instagram the other day and it was just a picture of an inside the waistband holster and a picture of an outside the waistband holster and i said which do you use iwb or owb and why and it was kind of meant to just have people like, you know, you know how people get, this is how it I like, that's what I like. No, you're wrong. And it, it's fun, right? You wanted to poke the bee's nest. I wanted to poke the bee's nest a little bit, but it was all in good fun, you know? And when I do this, I get a lot of responses, you know, and I try to like respond to people, but then after a while it becomes too much. But this one caught me off guard. So this guy writes, and I'm quoting this, none of your business in all caps and exclamation. I'm not going to put my stuff online so everyone knows what and how I do it. Everyone who does is a Facebook bragging fool. By the way, this is how it sounds in my head when I read it. Right, of course. Keep your stuff to yourself. Do what you got to do to protect your family and property. Don't tell anyone what you're going to use, where you keep it, or how you're going to use it. And then he ended it with a goat emoji, a prayer emoji, and a heart emoji, which I don't know what the goat <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But what, we got we got to get we got to get somebody who does emojis on here. To yeah, well, Goat is greatest of all time, but maybe maybe he's the greatest of all time. I don't know, but so somebody responded to him that was the best, and I'm I, this is how I feel about it. But this guy put it great. He goes, "If it's none of our business, and you're so like hell bent on people not knowing what you do, why did you feel the need to write a paragraph describing all of this? Like you could have just <laughs> scrolled on down the road. Like you didn't need to." say anything 
you know, and now I'm like, I want to know what you do. Yeah. And well, and then I, I wrote something back. Normally I try not to get into these things, but I said something like, so what you're telling me is every instructor who talks about inside versus outside and the advantage of one, the advantage of other, why they might carry in certain, you're saying that they're fools for giving away their top secret code to like gun carrying. And I'm like, <laughs> This isn't a big deal, dude. Like, no one knows you. No, no one's going to remember who you are and, like, keep track of how you carry your gun. Like, uh, why are you in this group of people, like like-minded people, if you're going to get this upset over it? So I just feel like it's well, just Well, listen, we, we have to say, if this guy is right, Kurt, we messed up tonight. We should not have been telling people about your belts because yeah, for real. they are too <laughs> helpful. And they're going to be too beneficial for anyone else to use, and we can't get that 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 technology out there. Kurt, do you up. run up? Do you run across this stuff, Kurt? Oh, of course, the gun industry is filled with these people. It's crazy. Um, yeah, no, like, there's there's there are uh, the obviously a very wide spectrum. There is like the super serious, easy to get butt hurt people that don't like. Um, they don't like any sort of corrective information. They don't take it well uh, because they know everything and they couldn't possibly learn anything new because they already know it. And then you've got like this super childish uh, dick joke type people um, who are, you know, uh, have like the sense of their sense of humor is uh, the main thing that drives them. And I'm obviously uh, I'm much closer to the latter. <laughs> me too us too yeah. and in fact that's one of my favorite things about being in the gun industry and obviously you know you have to know when to and when not to but the gun industry is filled with a bunch of people that are really easy and fun to be around and to sure around with uh there's no um you know not in my experience but i get to choose who i hang around with and choose what i do but there's no you know board meetings there's no uh no ties, right? Uh, there's no PowerPoint presentations, so um, you know there's just a lot of fun to be had. But obviously, there's some guys that are just they got the stick really far up their butt. Well, you know what's funny to me is so first off, let me just because Kurt, we've never really had like an in depth conversation before. You know, I had very couple text messages, but um, Keith and I say all the time like, "What well, great." people gun owners are like that they'll cheer you on like they'll help you they'll you know you need a you need something at the range of tool and they have one they'll loan it to you like i mean for the most part gun owners are really great people so this is I, I don't, people listening agree. yeah yeah people listening out there like i don't want to paint it as like this is the majority it certainly is not no but no. what i find funny and i'm gonna this is the more serious end of this um I, i'm gonna use I, I know we all know who he is but uh Coleon noir yeah. who I have to make fun of Keith because Keith always screws his name up. <laughs> I, I mess his name up all the time. Sorry. Every time. So uh, you, you call, you call, his real name is Collins, but you always call him Collins. I just, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can't help you, it. You, you talk about him like you know him. It's pretty funny. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know what I like, what I like about him? It's not what he says. It's not, you know, it's how he lives his life as a gun owner. Right. He's got he's the opposite of like what like every other judgmental person thinks of as a gun owner. He's like a cool guy. He dresses cool. He drives cool cars. He's not like, you know, he's not wearing a cowboy hat and like a big belt buckle. Right. And I feel like is this part of the problem? Like these people that are like this goat emoji guy, like do we really need this guy? Like, like, how do we get more of the cool factor in gun ownership and less of this like. (laughs) 
Well, the question you ask is like, what, you know, how do we get got people like this? And it, we've talked about it a bunch on this on this uh, on this podcast before, and it, it it goes back to this inability to be able to accept opinions that are not yours, and right. being able to have a discussion with people. Like, come on, it, 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 if you can't see that a simple question like in the waistband or outside the waistband is more of just a a, a conversation to spark a discussion about what would people prefer. You don't have to agree or disagree to think that that's talking about how you're gonna. That that guy's got other, he's got other problems. Like yeah, yeah that, that guy, right, right. That guy was mad at his wife when he wrote. Yeah, that. clearly, <laughs> clearly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it, it's so out out there, and um, that like that's just that's the um, these one of the symptoms of another problem. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. But it's just it, it just kind of like spurred in my mind like. We need a little bit more of the, like these people who are like not your typical, you know, because there's the typical like you were saying, Kurt. Yeah. But I, I really like people who are doing it different. And so, yeah, in, in, inside the gun industry, um, you know, we, we talk about this uh, kind of as like gun owner uh, generation 2.0. And I would say that generation 2.0 is like post 2008 or so. And a lot of these people, um, they came um a lot of them became came because of video games, and I and I would obviously fit as part of that. Sure, um, that's where they that's where they got their initial interactions and knowledge about guns was through video games, specifically like Call of Duty being one of the biggest ones. Um, and there's a whole new generation of gun owner now, and um, the there's a lot of good that's come with that. There's a lot of um, different types of people, um, and uh, in general, it's been like an amazing thing for the gun industry to look back at and be like, okay, pre 2008, there was definitely a more like, like black rifles were kind of more of a rare thing back then. And just in the past 10, 15 years, AR 15s, I mean, yeah, there's so many more AR 15s out there than there were right years ago, like so, so many more, um, which is a great thing. And so we've got, this resurgence of people who are interested in the constitution and suddenly like they, they come in through video games and movies maybe, but they end up being like, you know what? Uh, this second amendment's pretty great. And we, <laughs> we should protect this because yeah. I like the things that I have and I don't want anyone to take them away from me. Right. And you know, like it, it's, it's been it, it's been uh, pretty great to see kind of a resurgence and you know that the quote unquote fud um, uh, who you know back in the 80s and 90s and 2000s wasn't really putting up a good fight against yeah. gun control. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's there's definitely a lot more people who are more vocal about it and more specifically constitutional about it. Um, right. Where it's you know. Back then, you may have been like, well, you know, it was more of a hunting focus, you know, like, yeah, you don't need that stuff to hunt. Um, so I, you don't need it. Or I, I'm not interested in that stuff, so I don't care if they ban it. I wasn't going to go down oh, yeah. the FUD road, but I'm glad you did because it's kind yeah. of what I, where I was thinking. So thank it, you. It's, it's true. Yeah. Um, and I've been I've been outspoken against the NRA uh, at various times. And I was actually even on um, page two of the New York times. Oh no, sorry. Wall street journal. So I was on page two of the I, wall street 
page three, page three of the Wall Street Journal uh, last year. You didn't go uh, to their convention, right? Uh, yeah, it was when we yeah it was when we backed out of uh, going to the NRA convention, and um, so yeah. so we you know this is something that I'm very passionate about, and uh, well I I, I don't want you know people I, to ruin my Second Amendment. Sure, there's definitely that part of it, and unfortunately, people like this guy that Mike was talking about, or or the the person that we were talking that I was talking about, you know, if if <laughs> I think a big part of bringing that type of behavior to the forefront is is has a lot to do with social media the yeah. the uh, the ability to be able to say these things and do these things and act these these ways because you're behind a screen has only uh exoner um exasperated the the results of it and 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 the uh um frequency of of seeing yeah it. you're you're 100% right Keith and I think for the most part that is the case cuz most of the people you run into at a range are really good people you know but like you you gave an example where someone was acting kind of wacky and that was in person and i can think of some other examples so it's not all the time but it's a lot less frequent i think online brings out the the craziness in well people. we yeah. definitely know you know we definitely noticed it but i'm actually now starting to think about the person that we were helping i wonder if they noticed it i don't know that we ever talked about it with them yeah i don't know it's so long now i don't know if they would remember but yeah Anyway, I you know I, <laughs> I just thought it was a funny topic because there's definitely people who they just they care a little too much, yeah. and if you're out there and you're one of these people who just can't lighten up a little bit, just take our word for it, lighten up a little bit. Yeah, I think they need to take a step back and ask themselves: Are they a good ambassador for the Second Amendment? Because right. that's what this comes that's down the to. Question. If you, if right. you're not a good ambassador for the Second Amendment, you need to reevaluate where your priorities are and the discussions you're having with people. Because sure. that's what we need the most of. Yeah. Well, that's what we're about at this show. That's what that's the right. experiment's all about. And speaking of the gun experiment, I want to thank Kurt for being on the show. Uh, Kurt, I really mean this. Like, I, I've uh, had your product for a, a long time, and I really like it. And um, you know, uh, being able to talk to you and learn a little more about the company makes me just enjoy the product that much more, knowing what you guys are about. So, if you're out there listening. Go check out all their great products and information. Uh, we will have all those links in the show notes. Good on you for for creating great customer service and a great product, and you know all the great things you guys are doing. Well, thank you so much, and uh, I appreciate you having me on. Of course, and to everyone out there, <clears throat> we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to listen to our show. You can find links in the show notes to all of our social media. So be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, so we can keep the conversation going.